This episode features depictions of graphic violence and discussions of domestic violence, victim blaming, and cruelty towards animals. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. Please note the story you're about to hear is not a direct retelling of any single depiction of Thorger Spoli. Today's episode combines elements from a number of Icelandic legends for dramatic effect. Hello, I'm Vanessa Richardson. Welcome to Mythical Monsters, a Spotify original from Parcast. Each week, we travel the world in search of the most epic creatures from myth and legend, exploring who they are, where they come from, and what they say about the culture they terrorized. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Today, we start our season-long trek through mythic Iceland. It's a land of magical, hidden folk and spectral beasts. But none are as vicious as our first subject. The monster Thorger Spoli is named for its maker, an evil sorcerer who created a wretched creature to punish the woman who told him no. But Thorger Spoli didn't stop with the woman who offended his master. It went after anyone who got in its way. Coming up, an unwitting guard faces a monstrous ghost. Welcome back to Collector's Closet, presented by the Ohio Lottery. Let's discuss my newest prize possession, this new $10 scratch-off, the $500,000 platinum jackpot. The best method I've found so far to help it hold its value is to vacuum seal it. This thing cannot get scratched. What's that? Sorry, my producer's telling me the only way it could be worth up to 500 grand is if I do scratch it? Okay, well, in that case, definitely don't overprotect your $500,000 platinum jackpot scratch-offs. Play them. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. The written folklore of Iceland is sprawling, dating all the way back to the 13th century and the island's medieval poetic sagas. But by the 18th and 19th centuries, some Icelandic lore read more like polar urban legends or horror gossip about strange occurrences between neighbors in the next town over. Thorgeir's Bull, or Thorgeir Spoli, is one of these local rumors. The story of Thorgeir Spoli was recorded in the 19th century in a collection of Icelandic folk tales and legends. The characters in the tale are supposedly real-life historical figures whose descendants author Jón Arneson may have known personally. According to some sources, Arneson was born shortly after the death of the villain of the story, Thorgeir Jónsson. Thorgeir was a farmer, fisherman, and respected sorcerer in northern Iceland. He fell in love with a local woman named Guðrún Besadóttir, but she did not love him back. When Guðrún inevitably turned him down, Thorgeir was enraged. He decided there was only one way to avenge his broken heart. He had to get even. 
Thorgeir's brother and uncle were also magic practitioners, so Thorgeir enlisted their help in building a monster. They combined a flayed calf with the spirits of air, bird, cat, dog, mouse, seal, sea urchin, and man. As a result, Thorgeir Spoli can take on any of these forms in pursuit of its master's bidding. To add to the horror, the calf died as a result of its injuries, so Thorgeir Spoli is both a monster and a ghost. There was one final piece to the puzzle. In Iceland, as in many cultures, children who are born with their amniotic membranes still wrapped around them are considered to have protective abilities. The membrane, also known as a call, was a powerful ingredient. Thorgeir draped one over the bull, rendering it immune to almost any magical attack. His monster was complete, and it was time to send Thorgeir Spoli after the most vile, deserving victim he could imagine, the woman who rejected him. Hamdes yawned. He had to stay awake, but this little fishing village sounded like a lullaby. He looked out at the misty harbor from his post on the second floor of a little inn. Snow-laden fishing boats rocked in the water. The lapping of the waves was so soothing. He was only a week into this job as a guard for hire, but he was hoping it would change his life. He wanted to move past the debts, duels, and dalliances of his time in the southern settlements. With this job, he was going to stop being useless and actually put effort into something. He wanted to help rather than harm. And that all started with staying awake. Hamdes yawned again and looked at the door he guarded. He hadn't seen his client, Guna, since she hired him, but her instructions had been clear enough. Guard her door, never open it unless she called, and always do exactly as she said, even if it meant attacking the air itself. She'd seemed terrified, of what Hamdes had no idea, but she wasn't paying Hamdes to ask questions. He was the night shift guard, so she was paying him to stay awake. A voice pulled him from his thoughts. It came from within Guna's chambers. Hamdes... Hamdes was stunned. Guna had never called for him before. He half wondered if he was dreaming. Then he heard it again. Hamdes! Hamdes, get in here or I'm firing you on the spot! Hamdes drew his sword and threw open the door. The small room was like a cell, barely lit by the weak moon outside a window. Hamdes squinted in the darkness, trying to tease the shadows away from each other in his vision, but it was too dim. He waited for his eyes to adjust until he could make out Guna's curtained bed. She lay under its covers. Her weak voice whispered for Hamdes to come closer. As he neared, he could smell iron in the air. Hamdes called into the dark, Ma'am? He heard Guna answer with a pained groan. He reached her bedside. Guna's white blonde hair lay limply on her pillow. Her sea-green eyes were wide and terrified, making her look far older than her 30 years. She was still lovely, though. She put a finger to her lips and pointed to her feet. Hamdes leaned down to see what she was gesturing to. Guna's legs seemed to be mangled beneath the covers, lumpy in all the wrong places. The blood had soaked through the lighter-colored panels in the quilt. 
Confused and more than a little panicked, Hamdez reached for the blanket to tear it away. Gunnar grabbed his hand. No, no, it will not work. You must find it first. She raised her eyes towards the ceiling. Hamdez followed her gaze. Something creaked above them. Gunnar whispered, It is sitting on me, Hamdez. Be a good lad and get it off. He's on the roof. Hamdez had no idea what she meant. What could possibly be on the roof that had broken Gunnar's legs without being seen? How had it gotten past him? Hamdez felt his cheeks flush. This job was supposed to be a new chapter, and he'd made a muck of it in the first week. He'd have to put it right, whatever it was. He strode to the window at the end of the hallway and threw it open. Then he stepped out onto the lowest part of the inn's roof. The snowdrifts glittered in a pale blue moonlight, the dark water of the bay below tossed in the wind. The many gables of the building were sharp but scalable. Hamdez climbed towards part of the roof just above Gunnar's room. The wind whistled, chilling his ears. Beneath that smooth, thin sound came... breathing. It wasn't human, though. It sounded like an animal. Hamdez peeked his head over the cut of the gable. His jaw dropped. There was a massive bull on the roof just above Gunnar's room. It was sprawled out like a cow in a field of flowers. But this was no farm animal. Its skin had been split and peeled back along its body. The remnants clung to its tail like a macabre sleigh. The bull's raw, exposed muscles rippled as its chest rose and fell. The bull turned its head. Its large, almost human eyes glinted in the dark. The beast shifted its weight and snorted, sending out a spray of fog from its nostrils. Hamdez ducked down and prayed the monster hadn't seen him. But it had. The roof shook as it charged. Coming up, Hamdez finds out exactly what he's dealing with. Listeners, most of you probably know that I host another podcast series called Serial Killers. What you may be surprised to learn is that we've been working on that podcast for five years now. So as a special treat for the fans, we've prepared an anniversary series examining the mythology surrounding four of the most feared killers who ever lived. Kemper, Gacy, Bundy, Dahmer. This four-part series uncovers the men behind the mayhem, analyzing what turned them into killers and how their lethal behavior made them renowned for all the wrong reasons. Serial Killers is the perfect podcast for any true crime or storytelling fan, and this fifth anniversary special is not one to miss. Check it out today by following Serial Killers, free and only on Spotify. Now, back to the story. Hamdez couldn't move. He knew he needed to. He was on a precarious roof, and the massive, animated corpse of a flayed bull was charging at him. But he was too shocked to budge. Colossal hooves thundered on the tile as the animal barreled towards him, eyes blazing, horns aiming for his stomach. Hamdez finally tore himself from his trance and leapt out of the way. He skidded down the roof and dove back into the window he'd climbed out of. 
Hamdez slammed the pane shut and peered out into the night. He was certain he'd see the bull's eyes staring back at him, but all he saw was the fog outside. He stumbled back to Guna and threw open her door without knocking. She looked even more battered than she'd been when he left. She had a black eye and a split lip. Her arm hung limply at her side. It was like the monster had trampled her. Hamdez was panicked. Ma'am, with all due respect, what the hell VTs was that? And what happened to your face? Hamdez wondered then if the horror show on the roof was a distraction and something else had gotten into the room to hurt Guna. Guna sounded weary. This creature does not need to touch me to hurt me, and now it has beaten me badly enough that I cannot move. If you carry me to Torvi the magician, all will be made clear. Please, Hamdez, I need your help. Hamdez felt an old urge rise within him, the instinct to run far away and never come back. But the new and improved Hamdez would not leave Gunna alone, defenseless, with a monster at her door. So he gently lifted Gunna's bruised form into his arms and took her to see a magician. Hamdez almost choked as he carried Gunna inside the hovel. Torvi's shack smelled like whale oil and raven feathers mixed with soot and sweat. Though it sat in the merchant section of town, there was an eerie quiet to the home. The clop of horses and rumble of carts never made their way through the fogged windows. Gunna leaned on Hamdez as he gently lowered her into a chair covered in furs. She nodded in thanks as she spoke. Torvi is very good. You'll see. Hamdez eyed the old man buzzing about the small space, grinding herbs and boiling water. Hamdez glowered. When is he going to stop making tea and do some actual magic? Torvi chuckled. <laughs> I can hear you, you know. He stared at two small glass bottles, weighing them between his hands. Is this the poison or... He picked one and used a large black feather to stir the concoction. Guna's voice shook. It would be nice to have your attention, Torvi. He's come for me again. Thor Gershpoli. Torfi sighed. Yes, the bull. But I told you, I cannot help you. Hamdez was impatient. He demanded to know what this strange bull was. Torvi chuckled. <laughs> he is a force beyond me, one of Thorgare's vengeful creatures of the undead, meant to punish our Gunna here, and you got to see its true form. Lucky you. Hamdez didn't appreciate the old man's attitude. It beat her without even touching her. You have to do something, or tell me how to kill it. Torvi busied himself with some feathers and bones at a small table. You cannot kill what is already dead. Thorgershpoli is a corpse bound to Gunna. His reach is far beyond the rules of our mortal world. Hamdez glared at the magician. If Torvi wouldn't help them, then Hamdez would have to take care of it. Gunna was depending on him. But as he bent down to pick her up, he heard a familiar sound. Breathing. 
Gunnar froze. She tugged on Hamdez's sleeve, and he lowered her to the floor. She pressed her belly to the ground, doing her best to hide. Hamdez could hear the beast getting closer to the house, each breath heavy and wet. Soon, it was right on the other side of the door. Then, it stopped. A few hollow knocks rattled the door. The three of them looked at each other. The knocks came again. The door shook on its hinges. A voice came from between the boards. Gunna, are you there? Gunna paled. The knocking continued. Hamdez mouthed his question to Gunna. Thorgare? Gunna took a deep breath. Then she raised her voice. What do you want? Something scraped against the dirt outside, like a boot pawing the ground. I've heard grand tales of your beauty. I wish to pay tribute to the woman brave enough to rebuff Thorgair the Great. Gunna made a show of rolling her eyes, but Hamdez saw how her breath hitched. The sweat dripped from her brow. She was frightened, even if she was good at hiding it. I thank you, sir, for your pains. Tell me, do you know my namesake? The voice answered with confidence. Of course, the wife of Siegfried. A weary smile spread across Gunnar's face. But what is her name, good sir? There was a long pause, then the scraping sound again. Something slammed into the door with bone-shaking force. Then it went quiet. Hamdez looked to Gunnar, questioning. She explained, It was Thorger Spoli. Ghosts cannot pronounce the name of God. Hamdez smiled. It was a clever trick. Guna was short for Gudrun, and Gud was used for God in Old Norse. The roof above them creaked and bent inward. Guna looked up. Not again! She tried to rise, only to cry out and fall down again. Hamdez looked around the room for some solution, any solution. He noticed Torvi hiding under the bed. Hamdez muttered, Some magician you are. The roof shook again. Dust fell from the rafters. Gunna suddenly screamed. Blood trickled from her hairline. The bull was sitting on her from afar once again, this time on her head. Hamdez jumped to his feet. There was no hiding for Gunna, so he couldn't either. He'd taken this job because he wanted to stop feeling useless, to help. He couldn't do that by hiding in a shack. Hamdez skidded to a stop in the deserted street, looking up at the roof of Torvi's tiny house. The bull barely fit atop it. It stared down at him. Fog from its nostrils swirled around its head in the moonlight. It reared back onto its hind legs. Then it jumped. Hamdez braced himself, sword in hand, ready to fight. Thorger Spoli slammed into Hamdez with his full force, tusks down. Hamdez felt his ribs and collarbones snap as he flew into the air like a rag doll. He landed in a snowbank, gasping for air. Every breath felt like an ice pick scraping his lungs. The bull reared up to trample him again. Hamdez managed to lurch to the side. The hooves missed him by inches. 
The bull went for him again, striking with feline grace despite its terrifying bovine size. Hamdes curled into a ball, trying to make himself a smaller target as the vengeful ghost kicked him. Hamdes screamed as another rib snapped. Through swollen eyes, he could see Gunna peek through a sliver in the curtains, watching him die. Hamdes was supposed to be an obstacle, but he'd barely been a diversion. He'd failed. He wished he could tell Gunna he was sorry. He wanted to tell her he could understand how a man would fall in love with her, but that wasn't her fault. His world faded and everything was pain. The bull lifted its hooves one more time and brought them down next to his head. A cruel laugh echoed through the blood-covered street. <laughs> oh, Gunna, 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 is this your champion? Coming up, Gunna makes her escape. Now back to the story. Hamdes stared, bleary-eyed at the sinister man standing over him. The flayed bull stood at attention at the stranger's side, waiting to stomp Hamdes into oblivion. Hamdes didn't have to wonder who this man was. He was Thorgare, the creator of the monstrous bull. He was the one who wanted to punish Gunna, the man Hamdes was supposed to protect her from. And now he was too injured to do anything but lie there. The flayed bull paced around the cobblestones, its trail of skin twitching. Thorgare turned to the house. The bull froze, watching Torvi's abode with the same electric focus as its master. Thorgare whistled softly. Come out, Gunna. There is nowhere for you to go. There was no answer. Hamdes wheezed as he tried to lift his head, searching for some sign of Gunna, but the house was still. Hamdes chuckled. It hurt, but it was worth it. Gunna was defiant to the last. Thorgare snapped his fingers. In an instant, the bull bounded toward the structure. With each step, it transformed. Its muscles bent and folded, and its head shrunk until Thorgare Spoli was no longer a bull at all. Now it was a flayed rat, small enough to wriggle beneath the door. Once it was inside, a horrible squelching filled the air. Then a monstrous silhouette grew in the window of Torvi's house. The air hung heavy, the fog swirling. Hamdes expected to hear Gunna or Torvi's screams, but it was quiet. Then the monster silhouette strode to the door and rammed against it. The door flew open and the bull stormed outside. Thorgare stared at his creature, his cold eyes unreadable. Hamdes begged his body to respond, to let him help Gunna, but he was no use now. Perhaps he'd never been of any use at all. Thorgare's fists were tight at his sides as he entered the house. There was a deep silence, then a horrible scream followed by a tinkling of glass. Hamdes was not at all surprised to see Torvi sneak out of a back window and scurry down an alley. When Thorgare emerged from the home, he carried a broken shape in his arms. Gunna. 
Hamdez didn't understand. He hadn't known her long, but he had been certain Gunna would have gone down fighting. But there she was, limp and still. Thorgair laid Gunna in the snow and left her there, his discarded toy bleeding onto the ice. Hamdez watched for any sign of movement, but there was nothing. No breath, no life, no hope. Thorgair loomed over him once again. He seemed resentful, but spent, a hunter returning home empty-handed. Here's for your pains, sellsword. Hamdir winced as a deluge of coins fell upon him. Thorgair whistled. Come, Thorgair Spoli. The skinned abomination turned into a wisp of gray fog. It followed Thorgair as he disappeared down the street. Hamdez didn't know how long he lay there, waiting to die. But eventually, Torvi returned and dragged him back into the house. Torvi fussed with his bottles, deciding which were poison and which weren't. Bit by bit, month by month, he nursed Hamdez back to health. As soon as Hamdez could speak, he asked about Gunna. Torvi explained that she had drunk several of his bottles before she found the one for her intended purpose. It was a gentle death, and one that ensured Thorgair did not get to claim her. Now her grave stood on the hill, overlooking the bay. Tears stung Hamdez's eyes, though he knew he had no right to grieve. Torvi placed a wrinkled hand on Hamdez's arm. You did your best, son. What's more, you survived. Though I wasn't sure for a time, even when you tossed and turned. Sometimes the dead get up and move around, just like the living. Hamdez paused, letting Torvi's words sink in. Sometimes the dead can rise. Then he asked Torvi for the barrow's location. It was as serene as Torvi had described. Even in the polar night, it was beautiful. Hamdez waited. A cloud crossed the moon, covering the midnight haze in a deeper darkness. When it passed, a woman stood by the grave. Her pale hair glittered as she looked out at the sea. Hamdez swallowed a sob. Gunna! Gunna replied, Hello, Hamdez. She looked as beautiful as ever. Perhaps her cheeks were a little flushed, but she seemed calm. Poison was, as Torvi had said, a gentle death. She smiled at him. We won, didn't we, after all that? Hamdez held back his tears. We did, Gunna, we did. She ran to him, thrusting herself into his arms. It hurt, but in the best way. He hadn't rescued her, but she'd never asked him to. She'd only wanted him to help. And he had, hadn't he? Thorgeir Spoli is a monster built for revenge, similar to the Tupilak in Greenland. One of the earliest legends of the Tupilak says that a shaman created one in order to get revenge on a woman. The motivations of these creatures aren't the only similarity between them. Tupilaks are made from a mishmash of body parts, both animal and human. These similarities with Thorgerspoli are not surprising, considering that at their closest points, Greenland and Iceland are only about 300 kilometers apart. 
Both islands face the many struggles of Arctic existence, including scarcity and community responsibility. Making a creature like Thorgeir Spoli or a Tupilak requires an act of horrible cruelty, waste, and entitlement on the behalf of the magic practitioner. It's not only unkind to torture an animal, it's irresponsible considering the harsh conditions in which the Icelanders lived. Calves were very hard to come by. It's said that Thorgeir Spoli did not stop with the death of Guthrun Besadoter. After her, the ghost bull became insatiable, targeting anyone connected to Guthrun, including Thorgeir's own family. In time, Thorgeir was unable to control it. Legend says that Thorgeir died with a fog-colored cat on his chest, a final visit from his unholy creation. In northern Iceland, one person's wounded pride caused an avalanche of violence spanning generations, swallowing up his enemies and his family. Because sometimes fallout isn't bound to just one person or one place, it expands beyond its bounds in the same way Thorgeir Spoli inflicts its damage. It does not need to touch you to make you bleed. It only needs to get close. Thanks for listening to Mythical Monsters. We'll be back next week with another Monster of Iceland. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. I'll see you next time. Mythical Monsters is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Nick Johnson, Trent Williamson, and Carly Madden. This episode of Mythical Monsters was written by Jen Rache, edited by Kate Murdoch and Nora Battelle, fact-checked by Bennett Logan, researched by Adriana Gomez, and produced by Freddie Beckley. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 